Thank you and good morning everyone. I'm going to talk about the process which led to abolition and some of the consequences of abolition. But before I begin, I want to talk a little bit about paternalism. Paternalism is the nexus that defines the relationship between slave and slave master. Paternalism is a system of um, oppression that led to serious consequences for the black population in Bermuda. By paternalism, I refer to a system of oppression in which there was a one-on-one -on -one relationship between the slave and slave master. Bermuda, unlike many other Caribbean territories, did not have a plantation system. So you did not have this system of large numbers working collectively together in opposition to the elites. You had a series of small interactions on the, on the ships and in the home. So you had a one-on-one -on -one relationship. That led to what I call a collective weakness within the black community a collective weakness vis-a-vis -vis the white elite, the dominant group. You saw that uh, reflected in the fact that for many of the planned slave escapes, there was always someone who informed the slave master of what was being planned. That's indicative of a collective weakness within the black community. So there was resistance, but there was weakness nevertheless. This collective weakness found its way into the system and it permeated the system. By the time you get to abolition, you saw a very interesting system develop. You saw the um, government pass legislation to diminish the black um, political representation. The, um, the voting uh, qualification was increased from 40 pounds to 100 pounds to run for, I mean, to vote. And the qualification for those who wanted to run for office increase from having a um, property valued at 100 pounds to a value of 400 pounds. It's a very significant increase in the voting um, rights. That led to a diminution of power within the black community. Um, that was reflective of the changes that took place. At the same time, you had a system whereby the white minority, non-white minority, as others have spoken to, attempted to diminish the black population. You saw letters to the editor saying to the black community, oh, you should leave. Um, you, you can find a better opportunity in, in Africa or elsewhere. And they would encourage the people to leave the island. That was a symptom of the white elite attempting to diminish the black population. There was also an effort made in 1842 to pass a law entitled an, an act to encourage the white people to come to Bermuda from England. So the very clear manifestation of the racialized policies. These racialized policies continued in existence right up until, well, the 1960s and 70s. Because you saw the efforts in the 1920s, early, 19, early 20th century and 1920, where they brought in West Indian workers to work the dry docks up in Dockyard. And whenever they brought in someone, they would always say that they wanted them to leave, whereas the whites who came in, they would encourage them to stay. So the very clear racial bias with the immigration policy, which is long-standing, and that's a significant factor of Bermuda's experience. We saw this reflected in the 1920s and 30s, and it goes right up into the 1950s. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but the 1950s was a period of great uh, transformation in regard to immigration policy. You saw the 1950s and 60s, a great change. In the 1950s, you had a net migrant population of about 700 people coming to the island. 1960 to 1970, you had net growth of 8,000 8, people. 
And most of these people were able to vote after being here for three years because we changed the legislation to allow anyone who had lived on the island who was a British Commonwealth citizen the right to vote after three years of residence. And so there was a clear policy to orchestrate immigration policy for political purposes right up until that time. And um, that's the reality that we had to face. It was a very clear, cool reality, but immigration policy has been a symptom of the racialized policies of Bermuda. Um, that's what we witnessed in our, in our period of time. Um, that was the reality of it, and uh, that's what we had to deal with. The um, racialized policies continued to permeate the island, and it led to some resistance. But in the, 19, in the 1830s, there was no resistance. And that was a reflection of the collective weakness in the black community. When the, when the law was changed to grant blacks reduced voting rights and power, there was very little resistance to it. And that um, was suggestive of a weakness in the black community. Um, thank you. The, um, I have five minutes left. <laughs> yes. The um, issue of immigration is a significant one. In the 1920s, you saw the population shifting toward bringing in West Indian workers. And that um, created a certain set of challenges. That led to attempts to uh, marshalize, marshal the black population into, into discontent within the black community. You saw attempts to divide the black population among the West Indian population. There were reports in the House of Assembly where they talked about the good workers being Bermudian, black Bermudian workers, the bad workers being the West Indian workers. So there was clear attempts to divide and conquer the population. That was an effort made that was almost successful because they, have, they helped to um, create divisions within the black population. The um, West Indian population were a population that was much more re resistant to the status quo. They challenged the elites much more so those who worked at the dry docks, and they're always those who are more actively involved in civil disobedience. That was um, in contrast to the more placid nature of the black Bermudian population. And so that led to a series of challenges. So um, that's what we have before us. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay.